Hi, my name is Karen McCurry, and I have been at the Bible Chapel for about 10 years. I was diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer. Um, everybody in my life group was very supportive of me, uh, brought me meals, came and cleaned my house, cut my grass. The caregiving ministry would uh, provide meals every two weeks when I had um, chemo. Uh, and that was just, and they, God bless them, they even made enough food for my mom because my mom lived with me and my mom passed away in August of uh, 2014. Um, she lived with me, I took care of her. Um, so that was very, my mom and I were always close and so that was very difficult. And then, uh, this past April, I lost my dad. So, uh, and again, you know, people just, you know, rallied around me and praying for me. And community to me is sharing your life with other people, um, being together for each other that is going through different stages of life. So the church is this living, breathing organism, and we always have each other's back. And you've heard in Karen's story a time where she went through some challenging situations, a challenging stretch, several challenging stretches. And those in her life group, those who were around her, because she had taken the time to connect with others, were there for her to encourage her and lift her up and provide for her during those uh, difficult times. There is nothing that works quite like the church when the church is working right. And we're always excited to see it working right. We're excited to see it working right with the partners we have as well. And one of those partners we have is the Pregnancy Resource Center, the Pregnancy Resource Center here in the South Hills and for the airport area, the Pregnancy Resource Center uh, in McKees Rocks. They are getting ready to have a, a major banquet and, and a dinner and fundraiser for them, and we encourage you to be a part of that. You can go onto their websites and learn how you can be involved in that and support them. We believe in what they're doing, and it's critical for us to be supportive individually and as a church. Or you can uh, just email us at outreach at biblechapel.org, and we'll get you the information that you need. Also, we want to remind you that November the 13th through the 14th is our junior high and high school retreat. Okay. <laughs> I didn't expect that. <clears throat> but it's cool. That's cool. And uh, we have, um, we, we just want to encourage you parents who have junior high and high school children to, to encourage your kids to get to those retreats. Um, as a high school and junior high student, it's, there's such a need. We were there, right? And there's such a need to know other kids and be connected. And the hardest things to do is to walk into the high school room or the junior high room when you don't know anyone. What these retreats, you can get to know some people. You're going to be together and you have a fun time and there's great teaching and there's a great challenge. Our, our four children uh, have benefited greatly. Uh, from going to those retreats. So if you're a parent of a junior high or high school student, we encourage you to encourage your kids to get to those retreats. We also want to remind you that if, that if money is ever an issue, 
We have to, there's food and, and we have to rent the facilities and so we charge to go. But if money is ever an issue, anything we do here at the Bible Chapel, please let us know and we'll take care of it. Because it's more important for us to have your uh, child experience uh, the, the, um, the fellowship and the community at these retreats. So let us know and uh, it'll be handled in a, uh, in a very confidential manner. And we'd love to. It would be a privilege for us to help you get your kids there if that's, if that's the case. Father, thank you for Karen's story. And thank you for the reminder that each of us will go through some, some challenging times. It is inevitable. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to get connected so as we minister to others, others can in turn minister to us. Be with us, Father, as we look at your word. Teach us as only you can do. And I pray that you would speak to us individually today as we go through um, a rather difficult topic and a rather difficult passage. Help us to be willing to apply this passage to our hearts and uh, in our lives. We've come together and uh, we've worshiped. We've interacted with each other, and now, Lord, it's a privilege for us to join together here in the South Hills in Wilkinsburg and Washington and the airport area, come together and pray as your Son, our Savior, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptations. Lead us. For thine is the kingdom and the power. Glory forever. Amen. Amen. So the church is a body. The church is a community with with different responsibilities and different gifts. And Scott did a fantastic job teaching that last time we were together, the responsibility and the gifts, the body of the church. had the privilege last week of being in Panama and uh, first Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at a leadership conference. There are about 140 uh, pastors uh, from Panama or missionaries or those who led ministries. Uh, they, they were there. And then um, the opportunity this time last week to speak uh, at a church in Panama City. They met at a at a hotel up on the sixth floor in a little room, so it was fun uh, to be there. And then went three days to, uh, to meet with the Word of Life uh, Panama staff. And they have some tremendous things going on there. It's always great to be there and to, and to be able to teach, but to learn from them some, some great things that are happening there. And it's just cool to see how God is at work throughout the world, regardless of, of economic status, regardless of language, God is at work. And when God is at work and he brings people together, there's tremendous joy and, and, and you make tremendous impact together. And also there will always be some issues, right? Always be some frustrations with each other. Always ways we irritate one another, disappoint one another, even sin against each other. Sometimes our sin takes place right here in the church. We sin against each other. Sometimes our sin takes place out there 
but it impacts us here in the church. Because if we're a body, and we are, if we're a community, and we are, we're connected to one another. So if you're sent out there, if you sent out there, it impacts the entire body. Now, granted, if we were simply content to come and sing some songs, hear a message, and go home and watch the Steelers game. By the way, Landry Jones from Oklahoma starting today. Quarterback. <laughs> Just hope we're clapping next week for Landry Jones. <laughs> if we were content with that, then we wouldn't have to deal with stuff going on in the body, right? We could just get in our car and go home. This would be more like a country club or a book club than it would be a community. But that's not what God intended for us to do, not what he intended for us to be. We have to realize the deep importance of true community. And when we realize that, then we cannot ignore sin in the church body any more than we can ignore the disease of sin, our, our disease in our body, right? When there's sin in the church body, it's like disease in the physical body, and we don't ignore that. We do something to remedy it. Now, if you were traveling down a road, 79, uh, Highway 79, and you're going down a road, and right in front of you, all of a sudden, a car in front of you veers off the highway and just smashes into an embankment. I guarantee you, every one of you in here, every one of you, whatever, wherever you were going, however late you were, whatever your time frame, however busy your schedule, I guarantee every person in this room would pull off the highway, would call 911, and would go over to help out whoever was in that car. It would take time, it would take energy, it would disrupt your schedule, but you would make sure that you went over to that person and you dealt with him. It may even be a little messy. But your conscience would not allow you to keep going. Our sense of duty would not allow us to say, let the next car take care of the situation. Because that car was right in front of us. In the Christian journey, there are going to be some people right in front of us, right in our life group in our friend group, we sit next to a church, they're going to veer off the road. And the question is, how are we going to respond? Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Galatians as we work our way through this series on community, Essential Connections. We're going through these letters that Paul wrote. And uh, like all churches, the church in the Galatia area had uh, some issues. They got started well, but Paul reminds them in chapter 5, verse 7, he says, you were running a good race. You were doing what you needed to do. You were traveling down the road well. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Who was it? that cut in on you and had caused you to stop running this race well? He answers that question uh, in the rest of the book. Uh, though many in Galatia were very strict Jews. They had come to Christ, 
but they did not let go of Judaism. They were called Judaizers. And they took all the Old Testament uh, rituals of uh, the feasts and uh, all the things of the Old Testament and circumcision. And they said, you know, that happened to the Jewish people. And we know now we're in the New Testament and we believe in Christ and all that. But we also believe in all these Old Testament rituals. And so it's Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus plus these rituals. They were Judaizers. They were legalistic. They even argued that, they even argued that Paul was not really an apostle. He didn't have the authority of an apostle. And they even accused Paul because Paul said, no, it's not about the legalistic practices of the Old Testament. They said, Paul, you are watering down the gospel just to get more Gentiles in. You just want to grow the church. So in his letter to the Galatians, Paul argued, one, for his authority as an apostle, and then he addressed this issue of legalism. Look at chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, critical part uh, of this book. Uh, Paul says, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Uh, Paul later in uh, chapter 2 verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life, I live in the body. I don't live by the Old Testament stuff. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Paul says this in chapter 2, verse 21. I did not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, what? Christ died for nothing. Paul says Christ didn't die for him, nothing. Now, there's a lot of theology in this book, some great passages of Scripture that reminds us of the freedom that we have in our life and our focus on Christ. And while there are tremendous truths and principles and teachings of the Old Testament, we don't take the, 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 the law of the Old Testament and bring it in, like circumcision and those things, to the New Testament. It's Jesus alone, Jesus plus nothing else. There is in this book as well a critical passage that is so essential to this thing we call community. And if ignored, if ignored, this will disrupt community. It's a hard application, this passage is. But when ignored, damage is done. Now, I asked you earlier, how are we to respond when that person in front of us veers off the road? Paul answers that question in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read the uh, two verses here, and then we'll work our way through them. Paul says, brothers, that's generic, brothers and sisters, men and women, someone is caught in a sin. You who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let's work our way through this. Paul says, first of all, if someone is caught in a trap, if someone is over 
taken, that word means. If they are trapped. By the way, that can happen to any one of us. None of us are above in a weak moment, a disconnected moment, a moment when we're off guard, falling to sin. Any one of us in here can be trapped or overtaken by a sin. So here's what's happening. You're journeying down the road of the Christian life and, and you veer off the road, slam into an embankment. Again, it may be a member of your family. It may be, it may be a member of your life group. It's someone you know and you see them go off the road. They are caught in a sin. It's not a rumor. It's not a hearsay. You learn this person is, is trapped. Let me, let me try another illustration here. How many of you uh, how many of you are dog lovers? All right? That's exactly why I stopped doing those dog jokes, because it offended so many people. So um, let's say you're taking your dog for a walk on the trail, right? And you're at a part of the trail where there aren't any people, and you say, man, I'm going to let my dog run. And so you take it off its leash, and it just takes off through the woods, just enjoying itself tremendously. And all of a sudden, you hear a yelp. You hear several yelps. And you know your dog's in trouble. And so you go into the woods and you go to your dog and you see that your dog has been caught in a trap. Some person, they shouldn't have, but they put a trap out in the woods. And your dog's leg is caught in that trap. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to say, I don't have time for this. Good enough for you. You ran off in the woods, you stupid dog. It's looking messy. I don't think I want to get involved. See, what are you going to do? You're going to do everything you need to do to make sure your dog's leg gets out of that trap, right? Why are we so reluctant to do that same thing with believers? Why are we so reluctant to not get involved? Paul says, someone's caught in a trap. Here's the second thing. You who are spiritual, you need to call one of the elders and tell them that someone's in trouble, right? No, Paul doesn't say that. Call one of the pastoral staff, tell them to go take care of it. That's what you get paid for. Paul doesn't say that. Paul says, you who are spiritual... Well, I'm not spiritual enough. No, that's not it. Yeah, but that's really hard. Yeah, it's hard. If it was easy, anyone could do it. But you're not anyone. You see, you've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. He came and died for you. He called you to himself. You are in Christ. He has made you significant. He has made you secure. He has accepted you into this thing we call the body of Christ, the family. He has forgiven you and he has empowered you to do whatever he's calling you to do. Yes, it's hard, but you who are spiritual, you've got to get involved. You cannot walk away. 
You are to restore the person gently. You are to help them get out of the trap. You're not to go to them and say, gotcha. You're not to go to them and say, what are you thinking about? What are you doing? I can't believe you did this. You are to go to them gently and you are trying to restore them. You're trying to bring them back. You're trying to point out their sin. They are caught in a sin. Maybe it's immorality. Maybe it has something to do with money. It's fraud. Maybe it's slander or gossip. I don't know what the sin is, but they're caught in it. And you need to go help them get out of the trap. Bring them back. We are, Paul says, well, when you do, Paul says, be careful. Because uh, when you start, if it's immorality, when you start getting into the sordid stories of how they got into that trap in the first place, your mind can go to places you don't want to go. So Paul says, be careful, lest you're tempted. But then he says, carry each other's burdens. That's what we're here to do. We've got each other's back. It's not a country club. We don't play golf together and then go home. We take care of each other. We protect each other. We nourish each other. We watch out for each other. And when we veer off the road, we go help each other. When we get caught in a trap, we help a person get out of that trap. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. See, I believe this is one of the hardest and therefore most neglected assignments in community. You see, sometimes we love to do more Bible study. Some of you got people have been believers for, for 40 years. Have you ever applied Galatians 6, 1 through 2? Now, I got to believe that somewhere down the road, someone you knew got caught in a trap. It's not about another Bible study. It's about applying what we know. And here's one of the hard passages to apply, but critical. See, we love fellowship. We love to be on a team that pulls off big ministry events. We love the, the, the warmth of Christian friendship. We love to come and worship together. We love to listen to Caleb in our car. We love all the, all the, all the warm stuff. But community is messy. And sometimes we got to get involved in each other's life if we're going to be a healthy community. And I know there are many excuses. I don't have time to get involved. I feel inadequate. I'm tempted the same way that person who fell. Paul, Paul doesn't put an asterisk by this. You who are spiritual. Tag, you are it. You see, God's love for the youngest and the weakest, and even those who stray, it is as deep and strong as for the most mature, on-fire believer. You believe that? The person who strays away, we, we don't say, oh, that's good enough for them. How could they have done that? They should have been more connected. They should have been like me and in a life group. No, we go to them. We help them because God loves them deeply, even those who stray. Before Paul wrote this passage in Galatians 6, Jesus had already written the instructions on how to drill this thing down and how to do it with four 
practical steps in Matthew chapter 18. So let's turn back there and go through these steps. Matthew 18. Jesus knew that community would be messy. But he knew that church was so important. The ecclesia, the gathering, the body. He knew it was so important that he said, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have issues. And here's how to deal with them. Now, what we're going to look at here applies to several different areas. It applies when a believer has sinned against you. They've said something, they've done something, and, uh, and you are hurt by that. This is what you need to do. It applies back to the Galatians 6 when you're going down the road and you see the believer veering off the road, right? You need to do this four-step process. It, it applies when there's conflict. You're saying, you know, I don't know if it's sin issue, but this is really bothering me. And I'm having a conflict with someone in a Bible study. In fact, the conflict's so great that when I see him in the hall, I, gotta, I turn the other direction. That's a problem in community, right? So whatever the issue is, here's a process to deal with it. It's practical. It's hard, but it's very practical. So here we go. Chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, again, that's generic, brother or sister, if your brother or sister sins against you, go show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over, Jesus says. So someone, again, sins against you. An issue that's hurt you, an issue that you see them veering off the road, a conflict. They've sinned in some way or you believe they have sinned. You go to them. You don't post it on Facebook. You don't call your 10 friends and say, I'm having this issue. Pray for me as I go talk to this person. No, do that. You go to them one-on-one. -on -one. You look them in the eye and you tell them, here's the situation. When you said that, when you did that, it hurt me. I heard you doing this certain thing over here. Or someone's caught in immorality. You go to them one-on-one, -on -one, and you address that, and you confront them, and you say, can you see what you're doing to your family, your wife, your children, and what you're doing now is going to be damaging for years. You confront them one-on-one. -on -one. Is that hard? You bet it's hard. In the times I've had to go to a restaurant and confront a guy or woman, I didn't go to a restaurant to confront a woman because I don't meet with women, but I go to a restaurant, make that clear, to meet a man. I have been nauseated on the way over there. This is hard. But this is what Jesus says to do. I, I, I talked to a friend just last week. And he said, uh, he said a, a friend had come to him. One of his friends had come to him and confronted him about something in his life. And he said, uh, the guy came to him in tears. And he said, at first, you know, he was a little defensive about it. But then he realized the guy was right. 
And he saw the, he saw the emotion and how difficult it was for this person to do the right thing. And he said, he was right. And he said, I can't tell you. I cannot tell you how much I appreciated him coming and pointing that out. You see, that's the church. That's when it works. And we can say, oh, Ron, that's too hard, man. You expect me to. I didn't write this. Jesus did. This is his process. I just get to share it with you. And Jesus says, yeah, it's hard. Community's hard. This is what you do. You got an issue with someone, you go to them. Okay, you go, you go to them and you say, you can't keep living like this. Or what well, you did hurt me. Or what, you, can't, you can't do that. Here's what I've heard you've done. And they say, forget it. I'm not listening to you. Who are you of all people to come to me? Then step two, look at verse 16. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So they don't listen. They continue to live in immorality. Then you take another person with you. You're not taking your best friend. It's a conflict. Let's say it's a conflict situation. You're not taking your best friend. You're taking someone who's going to be objective. Part of the witness thing is to be objective. They may go and say, you know what? You, may, you probably were a little too sensitive on this one. You maybe blew this one a little bit too much out of proportion. So you take someone who's objective, a mature believer. They may say, you know, we all just need to take a deep breath here. You guys, you guys are bringing this to a level. It's really not that big of a deal. If it's a conflict, now this immorality, now you have someone's, another person looking at that person saying, you can't keep doing this. Proverbs uh, 18, 17 says, the first to present his case, I love this passage, just practical wisdom. The first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. Isn't that true? You hear, you hear I, I don't do, uh, I, I do not do marriage counseling. We have people who can do it. And, I, and I'm terrible at it. Um, I just say, suck it up, go fix it, and let's get going. <laughs> right? But there are people who have more compassion on that area than me. So, um, but when I used to, but when I used to do it, you know, um, a wife would come in and, and, and she would tell me about her husband. And I'd say, man, you are, like, you're married to the devil incarnate. I can't believe you're married to that guy. And then the guy would come in. And he would tell his side of the story. And then I'd say, I don't know, man. Maybe you're married to them. I don't know. <laughs> but there are two sides to every story, right? And that's what that witness does. Here's both sides. Here's the issues. And again, may say, you know what? You guys are blowing this out of proportion. Or may say, here's how we need to work through this conflict. Someone is caught in a sexual sin, then if you're in a life group, a huddle group, together group, you're part of the body here, you're a member here, you're part of the body. 
you may be called on to be that person. You can't punt. You have got to be the one who goes. I have, I have failed many, many times in my time here. But one of my biggest failures that still haunts me happened in this area. When, um, when I was taken over as senior pastor, the senior, I came as associate, the senior pastor left and took his spot. There was a couple in this church, and, and there, we had already had issues. We had already had many issues. There had been meetings. There had been all kinds of meetings with them. Quite honestly, they were a pain in the neck. And when I took over, they tried to divide the church, sent out letters to everyone in the church. I think it was like a, a 12-page, single-spaced, front and back. Tried to divide the church. And, you know, we kind of dealt with it. And I remember at the night when I got voted in, I, I, had, I had to address that issue. So that couple, we didn't, that's all we did. They left. That couple left our church and went down the road and almost split a church there. Um, I, I remember talking to the pastor we met for lunch, and he said, they, they got in my family, and my, I had some family going to the church, and my family was against me. And then they left that church and went to another church and almost split it. And that church finally dealt with it. That still haunts me. I should. We should have dealt with it. And I can use all ex- kinds of excuses. Well, we were in transition and we were trying. That's not an excuse. I should have gone to tell that pastor, hey, you know, maybe it's a new start, but here, here are the issues that we've dealt with. I want you to know. See, when we don't deal with these things, like I didn't then, causes havoc in the body. The church is hurt. So one-on-one, right? Then you won your brother. Take another person with you or two. Then verse 17, if he refuses to listen, you tell it to the church. Now that doesn't mean you come, raise your hand and stand up and right here and tell it to the church. That means you tell it to the appropriate leadership. If you're in women's ministry, you would go tell it to Lara Ankrum. If you're in men's ministry, you're going to tell it to Tunch Ilkin. If you're in children's ministry, you're going to go tell it to Nancy Harrison. If it's a, if it's a broader issue, you may go to an elder and say, hey, this is an issue. Here's what I've done. I followed Matthew 18. I've done the one-on-one. I've done the one-on-few. And, and, they, and they're, not, they're not moving. They're not budging. Sometimes as elders, uh, we will, we, we, sometimes we will we'll deal with the whole issue with all of us. Sometimes we'll send two or three elders to go deal with the issue and then kind of report back and deal with it that way. Brings it up another level. You can see we're getting more serious here as we go up. The person, maybe the person's still living in immorality. We've dealt with fraud issues, slander, gossip issues. They still don't listen. They say, forget you. They remember, right? If they remember, 
Then verse 17, if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat that person as you would a pagan or tax collector. You say, we love you so much. We are grieved by your sin. We've gone one-on-one. Now, this is over a long period of time, right? This didn't happen in three days. This could be months. One-on-one. One-on-few. Elders have gone. You're still living in immorality. You still are denying any sin, even though it's been proven. You, You can no longer worship with us at our church. Church discipline is always for the purpose of restoration. We want you to come back. But you can't do that. Now, these are gut-wrenching times. These are after every step has been taken and double-checked and prayed over. These are solemn exercises. If this was the discipline of a leader at our church, you'd be hearing it in these services If it was someone in a small group, it may just be in that small group. It would be detrimental to share that with a large group like we have now. It may just be to the choir or a life group or a particular ministry that person's involved in. All right? That makes sense? So we're not going to tell everybody. These are tough. You say, Ron, you know, I, I see it there. It's even in red. Jesus said it. But that just sounds mean to me. So let me give you an example. You move into the area, right? You move into Wilkinsburg or the South Hills, or you move into the airport area, or you move into uh, uh, Washington. And um, you learn, uh, you have a neighbor, and your neighbor comes out, and, and uh, he says, hey, good to see you. Man, your lawn looks beautiful. And um, you guys ch- you chosen a church yet? Because if you haven't, I got this great church I go to. It's called the Bible Chapel. And uh, we've got these different campuses and children's ministries and men's and women's and young adults. Just brought on a young adult pastor. You got to come and check out the Bible Chapel. And you say, that's cool. And then two days later, you learn that guy just left his wife committed adultery, and is living with his girlfriend. And you're going to say, wait a minute, that church hadn't done anything about that? He's still serving there? He's still ministering there? They shouldn't call it the Bible chapel. They should call it the we don't take the Bible seriously chapel. Right? That's why it's so important. The body is too important. And we have to deal with sin. If you, you businessmen and women, if someone commits fraud in your business, what are you going to do? You're not going to allow them to continue to work there. You can't trust them for one. And two, it's going to be negative impact on the other people. Now, you're going to fire them and send them on their way. As a church, we're going to say, you can't keep worshiping here, but we are praying for you, and we are praying that you come back and you are restored here. 
And when you do, there won't be guilt and there won't be shame. There'll be forgiveness. And you'll be welcome back. And we will help you work through the issues that caused you to do that in the first place. But you're going to be welcome back. And we're going to rejoice that you came back. And that God showed you your sin and you finally woke up. You came to your senses like the prodigal son and you returned home. And your father welcomes you with open arms and so do we. We're not going to be like the older brother. We're going to welcome you. Peter in this story asked Jesus after he hears the story, Peter kind of puffs up a little bit. And he said, Lord, when they come back, how many times should we give them? Yeah, seven. That's a lot. That's a lot, right? Jesus said, how about, uh, how about 70 times seven, Peter? See, we have a spirit of forgiveness here when a person truly repents. Has this passage been abused? You bet it has. I read an article in the New York Times, front page article, New York Times Church in Texas. Um, uh, they were, it was a cult, but it made the New York Times front page about church discipline, and they, they were beating people. And that's a problem. And that's not what we're talking about here. J.C. Ryle says it this way, on no point have churches made so many mistakes. Sometimes on the side of sleepy remissness, sometimes on the side of blind severity. Still, it is impossible to deny with such a passage as this before us that church discipline is according to the mind of Christ and when wisely exercised, is calculated to promote a church's health and well-being. A perfect communion can never be attained in this world. But purity should be the mark at which we aim. An increasing high standard of qualification for full church membership will always be found as one of the best evidences of a prosperous church. It's well said by J.C. Ryle. See, we're a community, not a country club. We just don't come, sing, worship, and go home. We're in this thing together. If you're a believer, you are in the body of Christ. If anyone would hear this sermon and say, you know what, I don't want to join that church, if that's what might happen, then I'd like to talk to you about what it really means to be a believer. I'd love to talk to you about what it really means to be in community. Because you see, we're doing this thing together. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We have each other's back. We're protecting each other. We want each other to grow. We want to nourish each other. We want you to be married for 50 years. We want your grandchildren to be able to look at you and say, man, I tell you what, I want a marriage like my grandparents have. We want to encourage each other along the way. And every one of us is going to need confronted at some time or another. And every one of us may well be the person who sees the individual veer off the road. And we have to have the courage to do that. Hard, gut-wrenching. But God will give us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. You believe that? See, we don't say that just to say it. God's going to give us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. Before we close, I'm going to address one more thing, and it pretty much fits, but I need 
to, I need to make it fit here. As, as elders, one of the things that we, that's gut-wrenching to us is to shepherd the church well. See, one day we're going to stand before God. And we're going to be accountable. By the way, that's why a lot of guys don't want to become elders, quite honestly. It's a solemn job. And we're told throughout Scripture to, to, to shepherd the church well. And one of the things that, that just keep us up at night sometimes is someone will say, and this happens on our staff as well, have you, ever, have you seen so-and-so lately? No, I haven't seen so-and-so lately. Well, have you seen so-and-so? I haven't seen him. And someone has been a vital part of our body we haven't seen. Part of, you know, shepherding is not just visiting you when you're in the hospital and providing meals. We do a pretty good job at that. But we are, we are not, we just don't do, I'll say it, we're weak at, at the day-to-day shepherding. Encouraging. Uh, sharp, iron sharpening iron. So when I first came here, uh, when my kids would go to Sunday school and they'd miss a couple Sundays for whatever reason, they'd get a card in the mail. Come right to our house. Hey, Garrison. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Lara. McKenzie. We missed you in Sunday school. See you next week. That was cool. Someone missed them. So we want to get back to some of those things. Um, where there is a, now we don't take attendance in the church, right? There are some churches where you pass the book down the aisle, right? We don't do that here. But where there is um, attendance taken, we want to use that for shepherding. Not as a big brother thing, but as shepherding. And we want to call and say, hey, we, we, we missed you. As a small group, you missed a couple times. We missed you small group leaders should be calling. We missed you. You okay? You know, I've been sick. Oh, you've been sick. How can we help you? Can we deliver, get a meal to you? My mother passed away. We've been traveling. Oh man, I didn't know that. Let's pray for you. We've got some issues at the church, quite honestly. Well, let's meet and talk about it. Now you may well leave the church. That's fine. This church is not for everyone. But if you leave here, leave in a healthy way. Let's, let's just talk so that we, if there's any issues, you can leave in a healthy way so you're not taking baggage somewhere else. Because I don't want to repeat that, that uh, failure that I repeated where someone else and went and had an issue at another church. So if you get an issue, let's talk about it, right? We're not going to talk you. I learned long ago, I never talk anyone into staying here. But if there's an issue, let's deal with it so you can leave in a healthy way. We try to have an exit interview with any member, right, who leaves. Now, remember, you've cranked it up. You've said, I want to be a part of this. Now, I want to share that because we've, we've kind of shared that generally, and, and I've heard back. I, I even heard one person say, um, they were kind of in the, in the process of leaving the church, and they said, yeah, this is the last straw. They're taking attendance now. We're not taking attendance, Okay but where there are opportunities where we can use attendance for shepherding, then we want to do that. Does everyone understand that? If you don't, if that's an issue, email me, rmore at biblechapel.org. Because I'd like to talk about, we, we want to do, as elders and as pastors, if we are committed to do shepherding better, 
It's one of the reasons for this community series because we didn't feel like we were doing shepherding as, as well as we could. And if there's anyone who says, you know, that's too big brotherish for me, I'll take that risk to handle this situation. I met with a person just a few weeks ago. And uh, the husband had some issues and was gone, so she was certainly doing the right thing to go with her husband. Children, so we would have known they were not here, but um, she said, you know, Ryan, I'm glad you're talking to me today, but she said, we've been gone for four months. It really would have been nice if someone would have reached out before now. I want us to be a church. We as elders, we as pastoral staff, we want to be a church that reaches out before now and does a good job at shepherding people along the way. Kirk's going to come out and Kristen going to lead us in a song. I'm going to ask you to stand as they're coming out. Let's pray and prepare for the song. Father, it's a tough passage to deal with today but so essential in Christian community. Lord, we've got to have each other's back. And we're going to sin. We are going to sin against each other. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to have conflict. Lord, don't allow us to let it fester. Help us to deal with these issues. Community is too important. Your body is too important. We're going to spend eternity together. So help us to deal with some issues before then. We pray in Christ's name.